Welcome to Growing Through Grief. I'm your host, Diana Curtis. Growing Through Grief is a weekly sprinkle of education and inspiration to help you take action that leads to personal freedom and greatness. I share powerful conversations with grief experts, spiritual advisors, and other courageous souls in this transformational podcast. I believe with the right support and the power of community, you can eliminate unnecessary prolonged grief. I'm here to teach you how to normalize, recognize, and use grief as a growth tool. I've been a champion for growth for decades since the loss of my mother. Together, we are growing. I'll give you weekly tips and small steps that will move the needle forward so that you are experiencing a healthy inner relationship with yourself. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Diana Curtis, and welcome to the Growing Through Grief podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode. It is my intention to do something, to say something, or to touch some part of you that will help you feel better immediately. Now, I have back with me the therapist. And as you know, I'm the specialist, Dr. Sean. Let me say this. If you missed part one of the conversation that we had the week before, then you want to go back and watch that before you listen to this. But don't miss part one because we shared a lot of good information, insight, tools, tips to help you better your life. So Dr. Sean is back with me and I'm going to do another introduction of her. She is, as I said before, a mother, a wife, an author, an educator, a coach, a counselor, and she is a mental health advocate. Welcome back, Dr. Sean. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, we had uh, such a great conversation the first time. I just want to tell the listeners, go back and, 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 and listen to that for sure. So I know uh, you're in for a treat today. Yes. And we have asked that individuals send some questions in and Dr. Sean agreed to come back on with me and we're going to answer some of those questions for you. And again, if you don't get your questions answered during this episode, you can always send them to me at diana at coachingtotheheart.org. And because Dr. Sean has agreed to come back on from time to time. So if you have any questions of me, of her, send them directly to me and we will make sure your question get answered on a future episode. So Dr. Sean, we didn't have time to talk about your, your sweet spot, your, your niche, you know, the thing that makes you wake up every morning that makes your heart say pity pat, right? (laughs) And that is your work around mother-daughter relationships. And when I heard you talk about that type of work, oh my goodness, my, my, I'm sure my posture got stronger and I just raised up in the chair because that has been my life story. I think that I became a grief counselor, grief specialist, because I lost my mother at the age of three. So that mother-daughter dynamic was missing for me. 
And I'm so interested in hearing, I know my story. I know my testimony. I know my pain (laughs) around not having a same-sex role model in my life Mm -hmm. from the age of three on. And it showed up in my life in so many ways. But I would also like to hear from you what it looks like, your experience with it, what it looks like for a woman whose mother is still alive, but emotionally unavailable. So whatever Mm -hmm. you would like to share with the listeners about that mother-daughter dynamics. Yes, yes. Um, You know, the mother-daughter dynamic to me is, an interesting dynamic because to me, I call it the shift maker. And I say the shift maker because the mother in general is the one who raises the children. And as you mentioned, a lot of times with the same sex parent, that is the the one that we are looking to or for, for a, for modeling. So there's something that naturally happens with, with children, um, with the parent. There is also something that naturally happens um, with children and a parent where you're, you're looking for that nurturing children coming to the world needing it. And so when you have a, a parent who is absent, specifically the mother, the child can experience what's called failure to thrive. Um, that's kind of the, there is a, a scientific name for it, but it's, a, it's failure to thrive. And what we do know is that you can begin to see failure to thrive as early as one year old. So what we do know is if you have a a parent who is present and you're sick, you're going to begin to see behaviors show up, Um, especially if you have a parent who is emotionally, um, sometimes I use the word limited, or even emotionally abusive. I mean, there's different forms of it because you're asking like how it shows up. It goes from like no emotional connection to limited emotional connection. and, And that limitation can have a range in itself. And, and so it, it's going to affect you because what we do know is our emotions are our first communicators. So if no one is talking to you, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to just let you think about solitude. If no one is talking to you physically, what that's like if no one is talking to you emotionally. So there's the sense of withdrawal or, or, or a, a, uh, a disconnect that is, that is happening. So, Going back to emotions being the first communicators, I think we need to have more conversations about um, what our emotions are for and, and how they're used and, and teaching that in the mother. So mom can bring a lot of things because, like I said, it's a limitation usually. She can bring a lot of things, but if she doesn't know how powerful her voice can be and not just the words she says, so it's the words and it's also the voice tone, uh, the words that she uses and speaks over her, her children. The, to touch or not to touch, a hug, a, a, a gentle correction mm-hmm. that, that we uh, like to use nowadays to understand how powerful that is into shaping the emotion and not just the child from a physical or, um, you know, I want my child to be seen as a good child from that standpoint. I think we can really see a shift. Because remember I said the, the mother-daughter relationship is the shift maker because mom is teaching the next generation of women. Wow. I love that. Emotion is the first communicator and hmm, the shift maker. As you were talking, I was thinking about how as children, 
we don't understand what's happening, even a divorce or whatever, but we make that mean something about us. Mm-hmm. Not good enough. I don't deserve certain things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it could be, what about the situation where the parent is alive but incarcerated? Mm-hmm. You know, and a young child won't understand all of that. Did I do something to cause mommy or daddy to go to jail? Mm-hmm. So there's so much of healing. There's so much that happens as a child that we don't necessarily, we're not conscious of, but the body still knows, the body captures all of it, and it's still inside of us. And it makes me think about how important it is to get the healing. And as we, you and I just talked about, healing is a Greek word for wholeness and bringing Mm -hmm. all of those parts back together in harmony the the emotional part of it, the mental part, the physical part, and then the spiritual. As you were talking about the emotion of being the first communicator, what came up for me is if you think about an emotion, you're going to feel something, some type of sensation in your body. Let's just say you're angry. That is correct. You mm-hmm. feel that sensation. So that emotion of anger just communicated since a sensation in your body. Correct. And once that start happening, then you will take some type of action. That's the physical reaction to the emotion. Correct. So it's so important to watch, just be with those emotions because it'll take you spiraling and places that you're thinking, well, how did I get there? How did I get there? So I love that the emotion is the first communicator and is always communicating, always communicating with us. Yeah, that's nice. And I'm also thinking, and then I'll let you talk about, give me your reflection of it. My teacher teaches us even today that it's all going down in the mind, everything. Mm -hmm. It starts in the mind, right? Mm -hmm. I had to think about Someone who could come on the podcast and help me support the listeners. I had to think about that first in order for me to attract you into this space with me. Mm -hmm. Everything is going down in the mind first. And then I started to emotionalize it, feel how great it would be to have you with me on the podcast. That emotion, I'm communicating to myself, to my body the joy around having someone else on the other side supporting me and supporting my listeners. Mm -hmm. And then that physical manifestation is here we are. So everything goes back to those four pillars. Everything starts in the mind. Then we stay it. If it stays in the mind long enough, we start to emotionalize it. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't all have to be bad stuff. We're talking, well, not bad. It doesn't have to be negative. It doesn't have to be fear, worry, doubt. It can be the joy that I just express of having mm-hmm. support in order to support my listeners. So I'll, I'll just pause there. <laughs> <laughs> you see the dynamic of those pillars, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, it, it, and I even like when, when you would just pause because sometimes we just need to be still and take that in. Take it in. 
What is that? That was a lot. Mm. I like that. Or what is that? Mm, I don't know if I like that. What is that? Oh, that's anger. Just pause and take it in. Yeah. Yeah. So what is anything, any reflection behind what I just said or any expansion to that? Or? You, you, <laughs> it's funny because I think you, you said it so well. It's just really reiterating, understanding how they all work together. These are all parts of you. And the odd part is all parts can be going in a different direction. That's why sometimes you're overwhelmed. That's the chaos. <laughs> uh-huh. And and so what we're what we're talking about or we're trying to, especially when you add grief into the mix, is to remind you like all parts can communicate and be in harmony. We just have to be willing to stand in it. Yeah. You know? In the uh part one, you talked a little about your tagline, your phrase, mental health is mental wealth. And mm-hmm. what you just said reminded me of just to tell the listeners, the mindset has to line up with wealth, with abundance, mm-hmm. with prosperity, mm-hmm. with opulence. Mm-hmm. It's the, the financial gain is not coming in if you say, I want this out of one breath. And in the next breath, you're saying, oh, I'm not worthy. Oh, I can't mm-hmm. do that. The mindset, mental health is mental wealth. It's all working together. It's Correct. all working together. It is not Correct. separate. Yeah, I, I, I feel like when I, I thought about that, it's like if you know, then you fully understand. And when we talked in the last episode, I, I said mental health is connected to everything. And so when you understand your mindset, when you understand your emotions, when you understand how they affect the physicality, when you understand the need to nurture your spirit, when you understand that, then you are set to have a life full of abundance. And abundance doesn't necessarily mean finances, but it could for some people. Abundance could be just relationships. Abundance for me right now, I'm in the space of abundance of, of, of good memories. Memories that when I, yeah. when I said a few minutes ago, just take it in. Good memories where I could just, mm. So sometimes that's eating some of my favorite foods. Sometimes it's laughing with my young adult children. And, and yeah. it's just getting off the phone and be like, oh, thank you for this moment. Yes. So it came out of understanding those different parts and, and again, welcoming them. Even when it's uncomfortable, and I go back to that because that's the that's the thing that I see people struggle with is the uncomfortable emotion, guilt. The other G. The, yeah, but guilt is designed to make us uncomfortable. Yeah. It is, it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Guilt is the emotion that is designed for reflection. And mm-hmm. it's so you're supposed to either question yourself or question the perception of the reality. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're wrong or you did something wrong. It's just I'm supposed to reflect. That's what guilt is for. Okay. But what we have come because it makes us so uncomfortable, we try to fix it mm-hmm. or we push it away. And either way, we have not got the lesson. Yes. Okay. So you're supposed to stand in it. 
Yeah, I have I have a book on emotion. So I'm glad that we'll be back that kind of tells you the whole purpose of each of the emotions. And and emotional literacy, once you begin to make space for them and welcome them, understand their purpose, they're no longer so scary. So even grief. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah it's uncomfortable. It's supposed to be so it's it's telling you how much you love mm-hmm. whatever it is you love. Yeah. See it as a curious gift. Just get curious yes. about it. It's a gift. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and we talked about this in the last episode. That's why I said you got to go back and listen to the last one, the, the importance of having someone there with you yeah. when you're going through these things. Mm. Just doesn't it, it, support, direct, guide, lean on, whatever it is you need. What you need. Mm. There was a, um, an exercise that I do very often with the people I work with. And it involves that silence you talked about. And I'm just asking the question, what do you need? I add nothing else to this conversation. What do you need? People just need time to reflect on what they need and be with that. Yeah. And the word guilt, the other G, Guilt implies malice intent. Mm-hmm. Did you do it on purpose? Were you being spiteful or malice? Right. Most cases right. were not. Correct. So it's not guilt. I mean, we hold it that way. Yeah. Our loved ones. Well, maybe I didn't I didn't do enough research on the right doctors or mm-hmm. I did all I could do, but I'm feeling guilty because I didn't take them to that doctor. Was it malice intent? If Correct. not, release it. Release it. Yeah. So back to the mother daughter. <laughs> what yeah. else? How do you support clients with that challenge? First is to to recognize is the relationship that has flaws. Okay, we're just gonna sit right there in that. Mm. Yeah. And and so most of the time we all come from a mother. But realizing that, you know, that she is not perfect, that she is a woman in herself who has her own own struggles. And for the mothers, uh, the load of trying to be uh, the best example that, that we can be or the best role model we can be and realizing sometimes we need direction and, and support I want to lean on and all of those things. So the the first part of that is, you know, letting people know that that is the relationship that has flaws. Sometimes people struggle to talk about the the shortcomings or the limitations of it because we hold mother in high regard, as we should. And as I tell people, this is not this is for you to speak your truth. This is not for you to you can't you can't heal if you can't see it. We can't we can't heal it if we don't talk about it. So just being able to speak your truth or whatever it is, you know, if you needed more hugs, let me use something real simple. She might have hugged, but maybe you needed a few more. Maybe she only hugged you when you failed. Mm-hmm. So now I associate the hugging or being supported when I am hurting. Yeah. Instead of being hugged just because I need a hug or just when I'm when I'm doing well too. So and again, it's not my fault. That, but, you know, she knows that when you fall, I, 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 I pick you up, I hug you, it's okay, boom. But maybe I was a child who just needed a few more hugs to mm-hmm. be reminded, like, you're okay in any 
stance that you may be standing in. Wow. So it's so it's just letting people know that that relationship has flaws. It's probably, <laughs> and I'm laughing because, you know, we're talking on the podcast and I know when I say certain things in a one-on-one, I was like, I know, but it's, it's okay. I need you to speak your truth. This is where you speak your truth. You speak your truth. We put it out on the table. Then we can put it in its proper place. So no longer am I holding things like guilt, mm-hmm. confusion, yeah. Yeah. role reversal. Like there's a, you know, I can release those things and like, oh, I don't, I don't have to, you know, always be there and listen to her. And I'm like, well, you can listen, but there's a place you can put that stuff. You don't have to fix it. You know, so we begin to um, unpack and put those things in their, their proper place. And the first part is just knowing that the relationship has, has flaws and she's a, she's a woman too, who's still finding her way. Yeah. I love that. The relationship has flaws. Now, I think it's also important to know your mom's story. Yeah. I.e., my personal story, teenage pregnancy. Mm-hmm. What does a 17-year-old know about mm-hmm. raising a child? And we talked about it briefly, and I think hopefully that will be our next episode, that, that loss of attachment to your mother. We'll say mother, not letting dads off the hook, but we're talking about mothers not having that attachment, that person to just be there and help mirror for you the value you are in this world, how good you are. When Mm -hmm. that's missing, or maybe you have the mother in your life and still don't have the attachment. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're afraid to say some things. There goes your authenticity. Because you don't mm-hmm. want to lose that relationship. You're pushing mm-hmm. down who you are. So I think there's a very good topic for us to talk about very soon. But the truth of it all, we tend to, there was some reference in your bio, unearthing generational trauma. Well, if we really think about that, who do we blame? When you say generation, it goes back way, way back. And it was passed from one generation to the next. Mm-hmm. So I can, if I want, I can blame my mother. She can blame her mother and on and on and on. Wasted energy. Let's clean it up. Mm-hmm. Let's heal it. Back to that place of wholeness. So mm-hmm. yes, thank you. Thank you. Hmm. How do you help children who agree that? You know, one of the things that I feel is important when you're talking about children who are grieving is one, to recognize that children do grieve. It, it, and it comes in a variety of ways. One of the, the biggest things that I, that I do is um, listen. Listen to a child. You know, when you think about children, they're often being told what to do. School, home, you know, you know outside, even if they're doing video games, you're being told what to do. And so I start by listening to them, um, going back to creating that safe environment. So there's a lot of, of movement and expression through creative outlets, drawing and, and toys and slime and music to give them that, that space to feel like a child again. And then usually after that, 
we can get into um, some of the other things that they may be holding on to that they can be grieving about. When I say listen to a child, children don't necessarily tell the story like we would tell the story. I mean, we have the cognition to put things together in a linear fashion or some type of timeline. And so um, it's important to know that they're going to be saying certain things, but like I said, it's also important to recognize that they're going to be grieving. And so I'm just kind of listening to put in those pieces. Then when I recognize what I'm dealing with, I go to the the, the healing place, which is from the inside. You know what I mean? And recognize like it's okay to hurt. I remember I had a little boy who lost his dog, and the parents come saying, "Well, the dog died two years ago." But obviously, we really doesn't. Dog was hit by a car, so he saw it. And then, you know, it it came out later, like how much he missed, missed, um, missed his dog. And I'm like, but we don't know what that did to him on the inside. Like, you know, you know, whether it's heartbroken or I lost a friend or I don't understand what's happening or mm-hmm. not even understanding what death means because he was like five at the time. He was under five, so maybe even three, but he was five, uh, he was five, five at the time. But, to, you know, to explain that to them. So. You know, just kind of going back to answer your question, the first thing is like listen and to recognize that, you know, that children do grieve. And so what am I looking for that's out of order to recognize like something's happening with my child. I don't know what it is, but something's happening because it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a loss from, of a loved one. You know, did you move away? You know, I have kids, um, military kids that I have been working with for a while just moving. You know, from from town to town, I have to start have friends all over again. Being a new kid in school—that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. You know, so just just being able to recognize that my my child may be going through something. Divorce. We talked about divorce earlier. That my child may be going through something, and and then where I come in is like I said, it's just listening, letting them know. Like I hear you. Here you can say whatever you want. This is yeah. you know, this is your safe space. Yeah, I call it compassionate listening, safety, and compassion, I think are the most critical things that must be present in order for someone to feel trusting of me, to share and be transparent and be vulnerable in the sessions. So that compassionate listening is so, so important. And some of the things you just described, ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, We got researchers and we know some of these things. The the most now that I've been doing this work, the one thing that's missing, now it's a lot of things that are missing, but the one thing I'm surprised about is why racism is not on the ACES list. Mm. It's mm. a big one. And nobody mm-hmm. really wants to touch it. It doesn't mean you and I can't touch it going forward, but yeah, mm-hmm. racism, think about that. Mm-hmm. No, actually, currently the um, the DSM five, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual that is used in in healthcare, um, is going through an update. And racism is one of those things. I don't know if it's going to make it, but one, that was one of those things that were put out there that we need to examine. And you know, Black Indigenous people of color were saying, like, look, you all don't understand how that affects us physically as well as emotionally and mentally, because we do know that there's a couple of good books, The Body Keeps the Score. He he talks about how trauma is held in the body and trauma is passed on 
to the next generation in a physical sense because it does something to your DNA structure. Exactly. Nadine Burke did the deepest um, well, which um, she created the 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 ACES uh, questionnaire. Um, because she's a doctor who started to begin to see things and, and look at patterns and, and said, okay, there's some emotional stuff that goes on that we need to pay attention to children that actually can have an effect on them in a physical sense. And so putting all of these pieces together to understand something as like racism affects mental, spiritual, physical effects, all right? And you also have your emotional effects. Right. So we, we're, we're realizing that we need to look at this, um, and I'm going to say racism to, from a s- s- systemic point to actually microaggressions that work. The last year, I, I, it, just a lot of people coming up with stuff about the things they're going through at work and what that does to someone emotionally and mentally. And if you don't address it or check it, it's going to show up on you physically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that work, that body of work is being brought to include not only racism, but there's uh, surely there are other aspects. So can you believe that it's already 30 minutes in? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the time really goes fast. So I am more than excited that we will be having more of these conversations and I, again, I think that attachment element or the lack of attachment that we have growing up with our parents, and this is no judging of our parents, Absolutely. none whatsoever, but it's our reality. It's our reality and how it shows up in our adult life and our inability to be authentic because right. it's not safe to really share what you need to share. You think you're going to lose that person or lose that relationship. So I'm hopeful that we can tackle that subject with the therapist and the specialist (laughs) uh, going forward and very, very soon. So I ask you, as I asked the last episode, is there one takeaway that you would like to share with the audience? Anything about the that meditation CD or anything? Oh, I don't know if I have one takeaway. It first of I all, <laughs> this just the just the conversations that that can be had. So just encouraging people to submit their questions, really as a mental health advocate, and sometimes I call myself a mental health warrior. It depends on what I'm facing. I want people to ask questions. I want you to be curious. I want you to send in to help us understand the DSM panel. They could not address it if we did not speak up and say, hey, there's some things that you all do not understand about Black, Indigenous, people of color and the things that we have to go through when on a daily basis of having skin that is melanated. Um, and so I really want to encourage people to ask the questions to help them figure this out. We, we're here. We want to support you. We want you to know that, again, you are not alone um, in this. There's so many conversations. We, we, we talked about racism today, attachment styles, the mother-daughter relationship, just the, the, the four pillars of our, our own being. Yeah. Um, there's so much uh, that we can um, go into. So I'm just grateful for this platform. 
and um, you allowing me to be here and to share. And so I just want to encourage people to ask questions. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's what I have. That's a beautiful recap. Now I don't have to do it. <laughs> it's a, seriously, that's a beautiful recap. And I agree. I agree. I love that we are talking about BIPOC these days a little bit more than we have in the past. I have the book, The Body Keeps Score. I love it. I love it. There's some things that we have forgotten about on at the conscious level, but subconsciously, the body knows. The body knows. Right. It it could have happened day one or even before, even while you were in your mother's womb. The yeah. body, the body knows. So there we have it. Another episode. And I too am very thankful for you. I am looking forward to. Uh, doing other episodes, ask the specialists and ask the therapist <laughs> and just give our audience, give our listeners lots of valuable information. So there you have it. I thank you for listening. Remember, as I always say, there are no failures. It's only a period for growth. These are growth periods. You're not failing at anything. It's an opportunity to grow. So thank you for listening to Growing Through Grief with Diana Curtis and Dr. Sean. And don't forget to join me next week for another episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Growing Through Grief and being part of this loving community of women. If you enjoyed what you heard, Please share and spread the word. Let's help all women become richer and more nourished in their heart so that they're able to just keep on rising. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas, or you would like to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at coachingtotheheart.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep on growing.